Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This week, Guitar Nerd is sponsored by Solid Gold FX. Solid Gold Effects are a Canadian effects pedal powerhouse making boutique goodies that we at Guitar Nerds really think are worth a spot on your board. Across the board, Solid Gold Effects offer high quality, originality and affordability with a range so comprehensive that there is definitely a pedal that they make that you, dear listeners, should purchase. Looking for fuzz? Well, there are eight different fuzzes in their range. From the dual tone bender circuits of the communication breakdown to the modulating polyphonic octave down synth fuzz of the Lysis. And of course, it doesn't stop there. There's so many cool, interesting, unique effects. The countercurrent, a momentary feedbacker and delay for 8-track garage rock ambience. The Funkzilla for a super controllable ultimate envelope filter for rhythmic funk quack. Check out solidgoldfx.com for more information on their entire line of pedals. Guitar Nerds is sponsored by Reverend Guitars, and we are very happy about that because we really love Reverend. Well-built, affordable, unique, extremely cool, retro with modern sensibilities. Recently, we've had a Jetstream 390 and a Greg Cock Gristlemaster sent to us from Merchant City Music in Glasgow, and we've loved them both. The Jetstream is a gorgeous, reverend, original, jaggedly shaped retro offset with three specially voiced P90 pickups and a deliciously roasted maple neck. The Gristlemaster is an oversized T-style guitar with the incredible sounding Fishman Tele pickups, a Firebird style ramp and a tonal palette so broad you'll never need another guitar. Seriously, their range is massive. Choose from a fantastic spread of bolt-on set necks, basses, and unique signature models. If you love guitars and you love this podcast, then I'm afraid you're going to need one. Check them out at reverendguitars.com. And welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Matt Knight. Hello there. And Mark Packham. Hello there. Yes, indeed. We're on the 174th episode this week of the Guitar 174th? Nerds. 174th? 274th <laughs> episode of the Guitar Do you reckon we could rerun old episodes of Guitar Nerds and anyone, do you reckon anyone would notice? I know some long-term listeners would, well, I'm sure would pick up on it, but... I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I guess... I mean, basically no Guitar Gear has been released this year, so <laughs> yeah. uh, you could just run last year's episodes, and I'm sure no one would notice that much. Yeah. We, we'd definitely we'd be talking about more interesting things. No, there have actually been some great stuff that's come out this year, but it's definitely slim pickings. I was having a look through... So, listener, we put together, obviously, we put together a list of all of the things released in a year so that we can decide what makes our shortlist for the Gear of the Year um, podcast... 
series, and it is very short at the moment. Very short Certainly indeed. A short list. I mean, last year we did a midway point. We did a single episode of the Gear of the Year halfway point. But I'm just, I'm, I'm al- almost not sure we need bother because we'll, we'll use up all the fodder for the Gear of the Year if uh, if we do. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. It's been uh, it's been slow. A few bits here and there, and I'm sure we'll talk about some cool stuff tonight. But yeah, it's definitely mm-hmm. not been a normal year, is it? No, no. That's exactly. to say the least. Yes, absolutely. And I guess on that note, and before we we get into anything, obviously a few weeks ago we made an announcement at the at the start of the podcast, um, explaining that you know, uh, in in line with everything that was happening with Black Lives Matter, we. Um, as a business, we're going to try and do a a better job um, of being more inclusive in this in this community. Um, and one of the things we've decided to do is donate uh, 150 pounds every month to a a new charity, which we think is important. Now, normally the charities are going to be um, directly involved in music in some way, um, but our first one, which we'll start, we're starting from now. So for July, the the um, the charity that we'll be donating 150 pounds to will, of course, be Black Lives Matter, and we, you know, we thoroughly recommend if you haven't already um, that you can do that as well by visiting BlackLivesMatter.com. Um, there's plenty of information on there on what the organisation does, and of course the the Black Lives Matter. Um, uh, business isn't isn't just there for the US it's there for the UK and and Canada as well so it's worth taking a look at there and taking I would a say look cause rather than business cause show. yes yeah that was the wrong word I sort of fumbled on that for a minute and then said the wrong one but uh but yes um visit blacklivesmatter.com and then you can uh, donate as as well but that's where we'll be we'll, we'll, we'll be donating there this month and then there'll be a, a new charity every every month which would be fantastic if um, um if people have charities as well that they work with that are involved in uh you know uh, primarily i think it's like bringing people into into music um and giving people access to music and stuff that they wouldn't otherwise have if the charities didn't exist if people know of those charities or work with them closely um feel free to send us recommendations oh, as well that would be fantastic i appreciate that yes um that would be good stuff uh but yes um, also, we should we should introduce our new patrons for this week. Uh, welcome to Francois Yenny and also um, to Samuel Frost, who has upgraded um, his his listenership. So welcome and hello again, Samuel. But uh, I like an upgrade. I like hearing about that. There's a podcast that I listen to regularly that uh, does a similar thing, and you know they they read out their new patrons, uh, but they spend a bit more time on the people that have upgraded as well, and, and like why they've upgraded and. Uh, yeah, it's always that's the bit that that gets that I always think is the nice bit. It's like, yeah, I support this thing, and it's like really cool, and I feel I can support them a bit more, um, and hopefully they can do more with that. And I think, uh, yeah, that's always a, always a nice thing to see come in. People have uh, have said, yeah, I like what you do on the Patreon. I want to put a bit more, uh, put more, bit more cheese behind it. You know, yes, absolutely. And, uh, and- we're super close to mod mode now, so we know. are. We're only a hundred dollars away from mod mode. You sent me um, a. That's really good, actually, because you sent me a screenshot of that today, and I was like, because we'll talk about it in a minute. But obviously, I got this strat delivered this week, and uh, I was like, there is already a strat in the living room in a case, like under the sofa, and uh, it's like, you know. Um, uh you know when like that episode of The Simpsons when uh, it's a Halloween. Uh, Sorry, Treehouse of Horror, where Bart's got the like 
brother that lives in the loft. Yeah, and they yeah. like don't talk about him. That's kind of what's going on with the mob mode strat right now. Is like there's a new, fresh strat in the living room. The mob <laughs> mode strat is under the sofa, Ooh. and it hasn't been uh, looked at for quite some time. Wow. So uh, it'll be good if we can cross the fifteen hundred dollar threshold. Mod mode can happen. You can free the strat from oh. the uh, from the, its place in a case under the sofa, and it can finally get the attention that it deserves. I am excited about what we're going to do with that stratcaster. I actually sort of you know on on the on the note of uh, of upgrades of people upgrading. Samuel Frost no, it also is the the fellow who bought my Baja Telecaster from me nice. uh, a couple of months ago. So there you go. Nice. The proper, upgrade. Proper honestly, I, I love the uh, anyone who who upgrades because it is it's a, like a big. It's <laughs> not obviously just you know for the financial thing, but it is a uh, a sign that you know we when we do stuff on Patreon, we're doing stuff right. And also, we got some feedback about the Beatles series this week, I think, as well, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. We've had a, we've had quite a bit of feedback actually. It was, it was a very popular series, gear there and everywhere, dear listener. If you're if you're not a Patreon supporter and you're thinking about it, I think that series alone is worth it. Mark Packham is very well researched and includes sound samples and things like that. So it's way, way more than just our sort of random prattling that we do on the regular episode. It was uh, Yeah, and people like, uh, I had some feedback personally from people who said like, don't really care about the Beatles that much, but the series was super interesting and uh, the way it presented kind of broke down different eras of the Beatles and what guitars they were using and uh, how that transferred into solo careers and stuff like that. So yeah, really fun to work on and hopefully fun for, to, for people to listen to as well. Well, it caused you to buy a Stratocaster well, as this well. Is the, yeah, I mean, should we just dive into it now? <laughs> yeah, go into unless it, Unless yeah. there's anything else you want to talk about. So, yeah, I mean, I spoke a bit about uh, I spoke a bit about it last week. Um, I, yeah, after doing the, the Beatles thing, obviously, you know, we bought, we know that I bought the Epiphone Casino, been after one of those for a while, and then I did something that I thought I would not do, uh, which was buy a Strat. Um, I, tell I, think you, it, I tell you what, making miniseries is bad for your wallet, Mark Packer. It Packard. totally is. You, so, you, yeah. you buy the least amount of gear out of all of us. I know, I, I, I know, I know. But I'm playing more guitar. But just with everything that's going on, being indoors all the time, like now is the most I've ever played guitar. And it's also right. the least money that I'm spending on things that aren't guitar playing. Like, you know, I'm not going to the football at the weekend. I'm not at the pub. So, you know, I've got some some free funds to be able to be like, okay, well, what are the things that I can do? And yeah. actually a couple of those things I'm doing, not to labour the point, is support some more Patreon stuff um, because, uh, you know, I'm getting to the point where I'm like, you know, I'm not spending loads of money in the pub all the time. What else can I do to support things that I really like doing or listening to or whatever? So I'm getting behind the Patreon thing. Um, but also, I'm like, okay, well, I've got some money spare to buy some guitars for once. So um, so it's either a sign so, of I've been thinking about the Beatles too much or it's a sign of I'm getting old because I kind of feel like once you get towards 40, you have to have a Strat. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up buying a Strat this week. Um, and I spoke a bit about last week. It was It's a, a Mexican-made... Uh, I think they actually call it... Let me get the actual name of it because it's like similar to a classic player... So the actual name is Fender Classic Series 60 Strat Lacquer. Um, right, so this is exactly the same as the, and we've mentioned this before, but it's the same as the jazz bass I have, which is part of the same series. Yeah, exactly that. So the, I guess like spec-wise, they're closer to the, the Classic Series than they are the Classic Player because they've got things like, um, you know, the six-bolt trem rather than the two-point trem on Classic Players. So they're, they're more traditional spec. Um, but the key thing is obviously they've got this um, nitrocellulose finish rather than 
than the polyurethane finish that you'd normally find on a guitar of this ilk, um, either this price point or you know from this particular series. So um, I'm loving it so far. Uh, it's thrown up a few surprises, i.e. Um, I'd forgotten that a uh, 7.25 fretboard is much, much harder to set up than it is if you've got a 9.5-inch radius. It or, is harder. Or, you know, more than that. Um, yeah, I mean, when I first got it, uh, the guitar actually had 11s on it. and That's the like, right gauge. No, it isn't. No, 10s it, is the best. Yeah. What? I'm, I'm, I, I mean... I think there's there's definitely something to be said for like it's a point of pride to say all my guitars are uh, strung with 11s when it actually comes down to it what you want from a Strat is a bit of jangle when I first got it it felt like it just felt really heavy I'll tell you what it yeah. reminded me of Matty was it the SRVs that came with 11s yes I think it was out of the box yeah and like it felt like that, and that's just not what I want out of a Strat. I want the Django or I want that top end, and the, the 11s just weren't doing it. So I put some 10s on there, and what I'd forgotten about uh, you know, the, the vintage radius boards is that if they're not set up correctly, you just can't do bends on them. Um, you know, trying to bend up like the top E um, or the B, it was just choking out all over the place um, because obviously the fretboard is more curved. It's only got like medium gauge frets on there. So, you know, there's not much distance between the top of the fret and the board itself. Um, and yeah, it was just choking out all over the place. So I had to spend quite a lot of time digging the Allen key out. Luckily, actually, I bought it. Uh, it came in the case and all the keys and stuff. So it was because I don't have any of those tools, unfortunately. I probably should do. Um, but, yeah, I had to spend some time, you know, playing with the saddles, making sure that I, yeah, there's a very delicate balance, I think, on a on a vintage radius board between, like, getting an action that feels like a modern guitar but also not having it choke out. And I think I've kind of struck that balance roughly where it needs to be. It still sounds a little bit choky in places, um, but nowhere near as, as bad as it was. I see. Yeah, I mean, I, I said to you, Mark, when you said that, I was like, yeah, I sort of just like fitted those new saddles, took them off, and then just sort of did everything by eye and sort of managed to just get it how I wanted it somehow very yeah, quickly. Yeah. But I, I definitely know there's some tools that I should have that would oh, probably boys. make things much better. Yeah, you really should. You should what? invest in, like, just, I, you, know, you know, little cream you know tools. What it, is, so. what it is, though, Joe, is... Having had the luxury of, you know, working at, say, GAC, for example, and having someone like Graham Wheeler being able to do all your setups, just incredible tech. And then we had a really good tech at Anderton's who had been there since, like, 1970. Um, those people with experience just know how to set guitars up really, yeah. Yeah. really well. Um, and, there was, you know, there was, a, there was another younger guy uh, at Anderton's as well who set up a few of my guitars. And it's just like... A, there's something about a good setup that is just that you can't do yourself. I, I always, I, I would liken it to a sandwich that you buy is always better than a sandwich you make yourself. Hundred percent. I'm so, um, I'm so on that. You could buy all the same ingredients. You know, let's say well, I used to go to this. Right, we're going down a food tangent now, but let's go there. So I used to go where I lived on the other side of Brighton. There used to be a really good deli that I'd go in there. And this is when I was younger and more able to consume things like this. Baguette with brie, bacon and cranberry. And it was like the best sandwich I've ever tasted. And it got to the point where I was like, do you know what? I'm 
firstly, I'm eating maybe one or two of these a week. Firstly, that's unhealthy. But secondly, it's cost me a fortune. So I'm going to buy the ingredients and I could never, ever get to the same quality of sandwich that I'd buy from the deli. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I and I can never that. reach the setup that Graham sets up. Well, here's the thing. If you were making a, sort of a brie bacon and cranberry sandwich every day, you probably would. I mean, that I'd also be about eight times the size <laughs> that I am now. But. No, but I, all, all I mean from that is, like, since doing the Harlequin Guitar Club thing, I've I've got what like sixty five, you know, ish guitars that have come through. The bulk of which I've set up, unless you know, for for anything that has been a bit tougher, um, I've sent to to Graham Wheeler to do. But I've done the bulk of the guitars, and I think I've got pretty sound, like pretty good. At, at setting up a guitar to the point of I, I kind of feel like it's one of those things where when you're right there with the guitar when you've just set it up there's you're always finding uh, I guess you're always looking for the imperfections but like t- so today so a couple of days ago I sold this and I put put a picture up of this t- today the day that we're recording on on Monday of this Greco GO2 um, this old 1979 through through neck like walnut or actually I think it's just stained ash um uh you know brown double humbucker <laughs> uh sort of late 70s it's an absolute sort of late 70s guitar um but i sold one of those and i i probably set that up six months ago so i got it out of the case to give it a check over before i posted it out absolutely incredibly set up like that that guitar was fantastic i mean this is you know obviously part guitar as well but i was like I thought I was like, did Graham do this one? And I sort of had a little look. I was like, oh no, this was me. Oh, I'm pretty impressed with this. Surprised this is by very your own good. work. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's um, it's interesting because I think part of the the kind of uh, setup thing or getting guitars out six months after you set them up probably leads into the most divisive post that we've had on the Facebook group for a while, which was my post of some fast fret. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh. Um, with I don't get everyone people... going. I love it because or I it's hate snake it. oil, Mark no, Packer. It's not you. Oh I, my goodness! I'm, what, I'm can you not play fret. guitar you know without lube on your strings? It's not for that. It's cleaning. No, them. no, I know, I know, I know. But, but um, it's interesting because I I got fast fret. The you know when I bought my first guitar, they were like, "Here's all the things. You, here's all the add-ons that you know you need: <laughs> gig bag, strap, cable, fast fret. You know, all, and and I sort of just you know I probably just put it on loads of it never really wipe it off and be like oh strings always feel like horrible and greasy but then i was like after i did all the string changes a couple of weeks ago and i was like damn i haven't changed my strings for like four or five months i was like i'm gonna get some fast fret and just give it a go when i finish playing just one wipe of the fast fret and then wipe it off and every time i've picked up the guitars since then i'm like it feels like a brand new set of strings i'm like how have I not been using this? Because yeah, previously, I guess, I guess I'll play the guitar, it, I'll pick it up two weeks later, and I'll go, oh, it feels a bit dead now. Yeah. If that but sort I'm, of zingy sound is what you're after, which it is not for me, well, then on I guitar, guess... guitar, though, sure. I mean, obviously no, not for your like big-body jazz guitars and stuff, but like if you've got a Strat, that like, you don't really want dead strings on it. I guess so. You're right. For, for, the, for a specific guitar, I would say, like, you know, I spend a lot of time playing the ES-175, which the strings start to sound good after they've been on there for a year sort of thing. Yeah. And and any of the basses, I don't like zingy, I don't like new bass strings. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think new strings are good for that. But it really, it does depend, doesn't it? And I think it depends on gauges. I think maybe with heavier gauges, it matters slightly less. I mean, I don't know that for sure, but, you know, like Tim, the guitarist in Polymath, he uses, 
he uses 12s and he probably only changes guitars once every uh, strings once every six months unless he breaks a string um and you know tonally they sound great this week, Guitar Nerds are teaming up with Echoline Pedals to offer you a £10 discount voucher across their entire line of pedals. This awesome range of British-built boutique effects boxes have been a Guitar Nerds favourite since we first discovered their gloriously transparent overdrive, the Roadrunner, five years ago. Recently, Echoline Pedals have relaunched and expanded their entire range, now available in a more compact, pedalboard-friendly chassis and with an unbelievable pre-discount starting price of £119. Still handmade in the UK using the finest new old stock and top quality components, Echoline's range of drives, distortions, fuzzes and boosts are some of the sonically best pedals we have ever heard. They come with a full Guitar Nerds endorsement and we strongly recommend taking the plunge on one of these boxes. For details and to shop online, check out echolinepedals.com and use discount code I Love Guitar Nerds at the checkout for £10 off any pedal in their range. I never break string um, and I don't really corrode strings, but right. there's definitely something about having used this for the last couple of weeks and just picking up guitars that I don't pick up very often. Um, uh-huh. and just, they just feel I guess in a way almost they feel a bit newer um, and I'm just like yeah I'm, I'm in I'm what in. strings do I'm, you use as a rule Matt? Uh, so at the moment I am using Kurt Mangan strings and Stringjoy strings so I've got Stringjoy 10 to 48 on the Strat and the Valentine and the Reverend, and then I've got Kurt Mangin eleven to fifties on the Nick Huber at the moment. I see. What about you, Matt? Mark. You just asked Matt. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, did, is there just a massive I'm time sorry. delay? And I'm yeah, just yeah, sort of yeah. got... <laughs> just a minute long delay. Um, I'm just using. I just, in fact, I just bought six sets of um, regular slinkies. Like you know, nothing fancy. Yeah. Classic. They'll, they'll be fine. I love Ernie Ball strings and kind of always have. Um, and yeah, that's what I'll be sticking with. To be honest, I I, I really applaud the fact that everyone is going out there and finding these new string brands and you know supporting small businesses making strings and stuff but for me like i just i feel like i can't go wrong with a set of regular slinkies and a set of regular slinky bass as well i'm the literally yeah. the most regular slinky man you could <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly how i would describe you but no i i do actually agree like i've ping-ponged around loads of different brands in 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 you know the my, I, I'm, I get quite fussy about strings i think despite you know keeping them on guitars for ages but um, but I, I always seem to come back to Ernie Ball. So I use like power slinkies on all my on all my bases, and then um, which is like whatever it is, fifty to one ten or fifty five to one ten, um, and then uh, yeah, it's fifty five to one ten. And then um, recently for my short scale, my nineteen seventy seven Fender Music Master bass, I got um, uh, I got a set of Labella flat wounds. How are you uh, getting on with that? Fifty pounds. Um, uh, you don't like them now. They were <laughs> you don't like them. Okay, so it's not. It's 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 so. I think it depends what you want from a flat wound string. And I think I am a sort of a, a slight quandary to myself in that I love the idea 
of all things, like the old ways are the best ways. You know, I like nice shoes and and watches and old okay. guitars and and you know uh hillman imp singer chamois like I, I like old stuff and uh so the labellas made exactly as fender made their strings in 1954 you know to the to the same recipe as it were that's a big selling point for those 50 pounds set really fantastic fantastic for that like one tone which is great which is which is obviously what those strings are for this is me not the strings um but the thing is ernie ball do flat wounds which are designed to feel like flats but sound somewhere in between flats and rounds they're they're much more aggressive and um my my problem with flats that i constantly come up against is is that I really like the low end and the developed mids that you get with a flat wound strings, but you get this this horrible click um, with flats that reacts terribly with drive. Yeah. Um, and that's where it becomes a problem. It's that unevenness. It's that there's this massive gap between these these good fundamentals of like of lows and, and mids, and then this like you cannot describe it as anything other than a click and the only way around it is to play incredibly softly which is of course how they were originally ten- intended to be played but that doesn't especially suit me so I, I have found that because the uh, Ernie Ball flat rounds are slightly more aggressive they actually suit a modern a modern playing style very well yeah those labellas are fantastic and they would be great were I actually doing what I like to pretend you know what I do. being a good bass player yeah <laughs> exactly if i was if i was doing rolling stone covers or something like that then they would be they would be perfect but the fact is i'm 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 not you know i'm i'm playing sort of more modern like proggy stuff and for that they're not incredibly well suited so yeah so i don't really know what to do with those i'm loath to take them off they cost me 50 quid <laughs> that is the Just, downside um, to buying the artisan strings yeah. The old school trick, take them off, you know, boil them. Yeah. And, uh, you don't need to do that. Then... Don't need to do that with flats. They'll just they'll just keep. Because I put tape lines on a P base recently. Um Yeah. And they they're obviously completely fantastic. The problem with tape rounds is just that they're so low tension. And uh yeah, that's not not especially my but they sound fantastic though, tape rounds. Wonderful. I had a burn yeah, space at one point, I had tape round strings on it. Oh yeah, that's super cool. That is very um, cool. Can you get tape round strings for guitars? Yeah, yes. definitely. You get like, yeah, they're like yes. jazz sets, aren't they? That they often say, Stu- yeah, stupid, ridiculous jazz sets that are like. I might, I might get some flats for my ES one seven five. Omar Rodriguez Lopez played flat round thirteens on his nineteen fret uh, Ibanez single cut. <laughs> of course, snap in half. Oh uh, well, the, the neck, the neck was as deep as the body. Ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, before we move uh, off the blue strap, by the way, I just yeah. wanted to. Oh, yeah, um, sorry. Yeah. I've, I've, I pose a question for you and potentially the listeners as well. So, this guitar, obviously, you know, I don't really play guitar out and about. I'm a bass player if I'm going to do gigs, and we know that I've got the best bass ever made, so I don't need to do anything with that. But, so uh, the quandary that I've got is the reason I bought the one with the nitro finish is that, you know, I want it to look a bit more authentic, a bit older. I tend to find things with the uh, polyurethane finish. They just stay looking brand new, no matter kind of how badly you treat them. I mean, actually, my bass has got a, a poly finish and it doesn't look new, certainly. But the way that those things, you know, the way those finish on the finish on those things uh, distress is that they sort of like flake off in big 
chunks yeah. if you if you hit them whereas obviously a nitro finish has got that softer finish to it if you ding it it puts a nice little ding in the thing and it's some some nice kind of battle scars rather than my base that is just looks like it's falling apart um so my quandary is i think that having it around the house and just playing it around the house the finish is gonna start to look a bit older and that's nice you know i might knock it over take it off the stand or whatever and that's kind of what i want the thing that isn't going to age because that uh, the thing that does require you to sort of like take it out put it under stage lights and you know play it when you're a bit sweaty and stuff um is the hardware um so i was thinking how do we feel about switching out the hardware i.e the plastic hardware and potentially the bridge and the tuners for something that's pre-aged um and i was doing a bit, i was doing a bit of research on it and i found this company called charles guitars who are based in the uk charlesguitars.co.uk um who i'd never heard of before um and they do some really good looking um primarily i'm looking at them for the plastic hardware so the scratch plate the uh knobs the um, trim arm tip and the pickup covers. And they basically, for 100 quid, and the back plate, sorry, for 100 quid, you can basically get a full set of strap plastic hardware that's pre-aged that looks really authentic. Um, but it's like, is that my, is that, you know, I'm not against relics in any way, um, but buying like a not relic and then putting relic hardware on it, is that like buying a pair of pre-distressed jeans? I'm going to level with you. I am surprised that I'm hearing you suggest this. You know, well, this... I mean, basically, I'd love a, you know, I'd love a relic strap, but there's absolutely no way I'd be able to ever be able to afford one. So I'm kind of going down this route of like, you know, the Mexican nitro guitar is about as close as I can think of to that. But obviously, it's pristine. You know, it's not like they do a relic version. I mean, I know they did the road worns down the line. I never really got on with those, to be honest. So I'm, I, I kind of like what I've got now. But I just don't want it to look, you know, fresh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, I, I mean, I would do it. I think I would be surprised if you do it because I think it might be a, a little bit too posery for you. I think of you as being quite authentic with these things. But yeah. I think it would look fantastic. But I'm, I mean, I'm like that with my bass because, like, my bass has gone through some proper wars. You know, it's like it ended yeah. up under the How stage many gigs at has one it done? point. It's done. Many- it, I, I don't know off the top of my head. Five or six hundred gigs, something like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, at one point, it ended up under the stage, and I had to go and fish it out because of it, some fairly boozy uh, gig action. Um, and that was when <laughs> a, quite a lot of the relicking that's on there at the moment happened. Actually, thinking about it, when it ended up under the stage. Yeah. Um, but like the guitars that I've got aren't going to go like that the Les Paul Jr. is starting to look a bit like that firstly because um an old guitarist that I played with used to use that guitar uh and so that got kind of like a lot of gig action but also you know I've had it for a very long time it's 18 years old something like that um oh, so, really I yeah yeah 2002 that. that I've got that guitar so that started to go like that and that is by far the coolest looking guitar that I've got um the casino is just a uh, a poly finish so that's never going to end up looking like that I just kind of feel like I've got a bit of an opportunity with this guitar to make something that looks kind of authentic um and not as kind of shiny as it is now yeah yeah I think yeah. it's a good idea I think yeah, it'd be I cool. It'd be a good experiment as well. You know, like it's not something that we've done before. I don't think um, it's actually. Kind of, we, uh, we sorry. Go, go on. on. No, you go. I was just going to say. I think. I think just overall with that guitar, we almost haven't spent enough time talking about the fact that it is 
this is, uh, I think, maybe a massively underrated line of Fender guitars, the lacquer finish ones, because, of course, you know, that the jazz bass for me is, is one of few guitars that has survived, one of only two that has survived as long in my collection as, as it has. And I think the same, you know, with this Strat, they are just, you're getting a sort of a lacquer finished Fender that, you know, for all intents and purposes, is is absolutely you know uh, perfect like that is as good a fender as you can get not out of the custom shop one question yes. the pickups yes what do you think about the pickups they would be the next thing that i would do because that was that was the immediate thing that i noticed with um with mine with my jazz bass is that the pickups were 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 very weak yeah i thought tonally they weren't fantastic and they were the i've changed them probably three times now in, in, in that bass this episode of guitar nerds is brought to you by shirko guitars and their latest electric guitar the provocateur Celebrated by Total Guitar Magazine as one of the most refined single cuts on the market with endlessly satisfying playability and a flawless set of tones. The Shergold Provocateur combines remarkable specification with a retro vibe for a unique and bona fide rock guitar. From the brand that once powered the likes of Joy Division and is now championed by modern guitar pioneers and So I Watch You From Afar and many others comes a fresh and exciting range of electric guitars. Designed by legendary British guitar luthier Patrick James Eggle and featuring a roasted mahogany neck and a solid mahogany body loaded with USA-made Seymour Duncan pickups, it's easy to see why Guitarist Magazine officially voted the provocateur one of the best electrics of 2019. You can find your nearest Shergold dealer at shergoldguitars.com. And if you're not in the UK, don't fear. Many UK-based Shergold dealers have super awesome international shipping options to guarantee your Shergold will make it to you in the most far-flung of places. Proudly stand out from the crowd and discover yours today at shergoldguitars.com. Shergold Guitars. Be your own original. One of the most popular Ernie Ball Music Man models, the John Petrucci Majesty, is being expanded with four brand new striking finishes, now offered in Pink Sand, Red Phoenix, Smoked Pearl and Ember Glow. The 2020 Majesty features a lightweight Akume body, signature Damasio Rainmaker and Dreamcatcher pickups, and an onboard piezo bridge system that gives the guitar a focused and highly versatile palette of tones. Head to music-man.com to learn more. That's music Dash man. Now, back to the show. So, I mean, I think like, so a couple things on that. Yes, firstly, when I plug them in, I haven't been massively impressed, to be honest. I think, you know, it might take a little... Uh, you know, if I get a set of nice bare knuckles or something that I, I could put in there, um, I think it would Why bare them... knuckles? Why would you go for Well, I, I, to be honest, actually, I just picked that name off the top of my head. But, um, you know, a, an, another brand of pickups and something with uh-huh. a bit more of a kind of authentic feel to it. Um, and so, yes, I think pick up, a pickup upgrade will be good. But it's like, how much do I actually want to 
spend on this guitar considering that most of the time I'm sat in the living room I don't plug into an amp um uh, do I want to get the pickups I don't know like if it becomes so I've got some recording to do and if I end up using the strap for that then I might think okay down that you know this has served me well for this recording but it needs an upgrade on the pickups um to be honest i just at the moment i'm really content with it sat in the living room if it looks a bit nicer happy with that it plays great already and for now because i'm not plugging it in very much those are the two things that matter and the pickup upgrade can come down the line yeah yeah i it's guess in, so it's interesting because i'm i've with all this strat talk obviously i've already got a strat but i'm like oh maybe i want to change the pickups in my strat <laughs> and uh it's something i've been considering what um, would you go for Who, who's it's, it's interesting actually because I, I mean i've really loved the sunbear pickups that um oh, sunbear yeah oh, fantastic. That, that went in my um nick huber um i'm a big fan of that pedal show and and mick's been doing a bunch of stuff changing strat pickups and he, they keep talking about these Ron Ellis pickups, who is a pickup builder who I've not really heard much about. I don't think he has a website. I think he's one of those people who just have to like order through Facebook. Um, That's pretty There cool. was a set on Reverb that was like 500 quid. Wow. And I'm like, mm, yeah, I don't know if I want to go that, that far. thing is, I don't hate the sound of the guitar, but... I, I just I, always assumed you'd go for lace sensors. Yeah, well, I can't, that, I mean, there's a limit. I mean, I love lace sensors, <laughs> but if I put lace sensors in an 80s Japanese Paisley Strat, I think yeah. that's like, that is definitely crossing the line. Um, <laughs> but I think what I realised was I prefer the feel of a maple board guitar, right. but I want the sound of a rosewood board Strat. Okay. Oh, that's so really I want, specific, I want, man. I know, you have to I get want, like super dark pickups for that. Yeah, so I want like boomy, bassy pickups. But I want, I still want the feel of my maple board. What about the creamery? Would you consider? Yeah, that? again, great pickups. Um, I think I think the creamery make absolutely fantastic pickups. I um, I'm sort of open to ideas. If anyone in the group listens to this, and, oh yeah, and wants to listeners, Facebook, listeners, you know, if if you're not already there, join the Facebook group, facebookcom forward slash groups forward slash forum. Join the group and give Matt advice on uh, on his. And me as well, because I probably will end up changing the pickups down the line. And for me, I just want like, I just want something that sounds a bit richer than the the bog standard pickups that are in there. Because I mean, they're fine, and you know, they're fine. The Mexican stuff is fine, Um, but there certainly is like a jump up when you think about you know getting some boutique handmade pickups. You will notice a difference. Well, that is a good point, then, listeners. It would be great if we could take some pickup recommendations from you. We appreciate that we you know often get stuck in our ways with that sort of thing. So tell us. You know what? What? Give us some pickup suggestions. What? What should we look? We be looking at? Well, should they be looking at for Strat replacements right now? I'm not. Don't. I don't own a Strat at the moment. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box, and if you break it down, it really comes out to two dollars a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So I can't, I can't do up. that. But Hurry yeah, up and get one. <laughs> I know. Well, uh, you know, I, I recently, obviously, I also in the Facebook group, I posted because I've, I've been thinking about selling the ES175, maybe getting myself a custom shop. Telecaster, and I am actually taking the advice of the group in this case. I can't remember who originally suggested it, but actually a, a few people have now have pointed out that what got me started on um, the the strat thing, uh, sorry, the the telly thing, um, was playing the Reverend Greg Cock, uh, the Gristle Master, and um, and yeah, they're absolutely right. What I actually want is a Reverend Greg Cock. It's not. It's not a Fender Telly. It's just you know, I'm, I'm sort of you know, I'm, I'm loath to ever not be buying a guitar that is you I, know vintage correct or something like that. So I think um, <laughs> it's something that I've noticed certainly more now working for Boss. But the amount of people go, yeah, I'm looking for suggestions that's like a Boss DS one. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> but I want to spend a hundred pounds. I'm like, if you want something that sounds like a DS one. Why don't you buy a DS1? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think I unfortunately I, I say unfortunately, I think that's just the nature of the guitar world. Mm. I think, yeah. you know, there's so many choices and but also, you know, people can feel judged by what choice they make when you shouldn't. You should be able to buy and own whatever ever gear you want. Um, for me with the pickup situation, I might end up going for like a set of Fender custom shop pickups if they're, you know, if they're the right thing. I don't really care about it, you know, what what name is on there. I just want to get the right thing. And in in your situation, Matt, it's like if a DS1 is the right thing, just get a DS1. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And I think um you know, having built boards in the past, you know, you're always like, "Oh, should I put should I should I put that many boss pedals on there?" Like, oh, yeah, obviously, they're the best. But, you know, I think a lot of people go, oh, you know, kind of want to, I've got a space on my pedal board. I, one that always makes me laugh is I've got X size space on my pedal board. I want something that's like this. I'm like, why don't you just get the one 
that is the one you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, always, uh, always amazes me. I, I tell you what, Matt. Like when when it comes to I, you, you're absolutely right. Both of you are absolutely right when we're talking about sort of what the guitar world tends to want, and and you know, everyone wanting an original version of something that kind of already exists. And certainly, the the lockdown has given me a lot of time to spend on my on my pedal boards as well even though i you know i haven't been able to use them in a in a gigging or rehearsing um situation and i've built some fantastic boards that basically compromise of you know sometimes i'm like oh, i want this board to be i want this to be an instagram board you know like i want it to to really it, part of you i think subconsciously is is like i want this to look like a board that makes it look like i know what i'm doing you know so i'm looking at all the cool boutique expensive brands and i want to make this board of really sort of you know connoisseur stuff that's what i want it to be but when i actually when i actually gig when I actually try and make something functional for what I do, and th this is the the other board I've ended up with, my board is a Boss MS3 with a Boss. Um, uh, what was the green bass compressor called? BC1X. BC1X. The BC. Yeah. So the BC1X, their multiband compressor. Uh, the BB1X, their uh, their sort of drive preamp, which I use as a drive, and a VB2W. And it's those three pedals and an MS3 to switch between those three pedals. <laughs> I don't even use any of the inbuilt stuff on the MS3. Actually, I do use the ring mod but and, and the tuner, but that's that's it. And the thing is that I can't better any of those things on that board. I've never found a better compressor or a better driver or a better vibrato for me to use an alternative. Not really, you know, not really when you actually kind of when push comes to shove, when actual using it in a live situation is what you're thinking about rather than how good it looks or, you know, how expensive the board is. <laughs> Having said that, I am probably just going to buy some aged plastic hardware for my strap. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking oh, yeah. about how good it looks for me in my living room. No one ever, yeah. is ever going to see it because I'm not going to gig that guitar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, none of us are going to be gigging anything for well, a long, sure, long time. Well, sure, sure. But um, but yes. So uh, so anyway, yeah, I so I, I have come to the the absolute conclusion that I am going to get uh, a Reverend Gregcock because I, I have not felt inspired by a guitar as much as that in a long, long time. Like that really, I feel like that guitar's made me a better guitar player, and I am well less fussed about what guitars I own because I'm you know predominantly a, a bass player. But that Gregcock has really made me care about guitar. It, you know, more so than I normally am, where I'm happy to flip between whatever. So I'm going to get one. I just need to decide between Blucifer and Pow Yellow. Um, I can't believe you're not going for the red. The red I don't ones. like the red. Actually, I must admit, I really like the purple. The Axis purple. Axis purple, yeah. I wish that was black. Um, I can't get behind purple. I think they um, do. I think Wildwood had a limited edition. Maybe. One. I think you should ask really nicely and just see if they'll make you a pink one. <laughs> if, I quite like, the, I quite like at that yellow, point, it's sort I of like a, a desert one. sand colour, isn't it? Like the, well, the, the, the yellow's colour. kind of, th you've got that through grain on it, which I'm quite attracted by. Um, but I wish with the yellow that the hardware was black, so it was more like a traditional fender. Um, the Blucifer, I'm, I'd never really, I, I am kind of picking the best of a bunch of colours that I would never normally choose. It's just the guitar's so good. Um, so I never really want a pastel colour. Like all the guitars I want, I want them to be black or sunburst, you know, or 
like a candy apple red or a lake placid blue like those are the colors that i'm into that um, blue is good though that blue is really good it's very good because it's very subtle and i like that about it like it's extraordinarily subtle my problem with pastel colors is when they're a bit over the top when a guitar looks like it's wearing you rather than you're wearing the guitar but that is a nice subtle blue so i'm kind of in I'm kind of into that. The blue's, just, if, blue's the best one, but I'm looking at did, them now. Blue's the best one. If they did black so that it basically looked like a Cabernita, I would be all over that. I'd probably buy two, but you know. <laughs> the, <laughs> but I'll settle for this. I also have to say, those um, you know, speaking of pickups, obviously we were talking about strap pickups. Those Fishman Tele pickups, outright. I have never ever heard a Telecaster sound as good as it does with those pickups. Uh, you know, combining that, just uh, I've been playing it loads with the Boss Katana in my lounge, and I'm, I'm like, I think this is the best sound I've ever had. And I, you know, the guitar's still only twelve hundred pounds. That's expensive for a Reverend, but that's not expensive for a guitar. I mean, no. you think you want to buy a set of those, um, those Greg Cock, uh, Fishman Tele pickups? They're two hundred and fifty quid to buy on their Todd. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so so it's. <laughs> It's like this guitar is literally the price of a Reverend plus the price of those pickups, which really isn't that bad at all. I must admit, I, I have been tempted for the um, the Strat set. I, oh, is I there just, a Strat I, set? I didn't there know. is a Strat set, yeah. I mean, I've, I really I've, haven't looked into these because I I've, write them off as being too modern. But. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I, I, th- I think a lot of people have probably thought the same. I mean, I, I really like... The idea and the concept behind them because they're single coil, they're still noiseless. What what is the concept behind them? Because I don't so know. They I, are I just stacked, didn't read about them. They are stacked circuit boards around a magnet rather than copper wire. Right. Um, so at that point, they can make them completely noise free. Um, you know, no issues with you know what you'd get with wound pickups. They can effectively program the pickups to the strength or output they need them to be. Um, and that's how, you know, obviously the switch works on... Um, on the Greg Cock. The, the it does Gristle a, Master, It does a yeah. white guard and it does a... And a black guard. A 50s teddy. Yeah, so it's like two different... Um, it, it's two different outputs. It's not like adding a boost or anything like that. Now, obviously, they need to be active at that point. Um, but it just means that you can you can do a whole bunch of different stuff with it in terms of you know, quote unquote, programming the pickups. I mean, so I love the they're fact they're chargeable via USB as well. And I will point out that we've had that Greg Cock at my house now for a month, and I've not, I've not had to charge it. I think you get three hundred hours. Um, and I, I like the fact that you can buy. So I think normally, if I remember rightly, so yours charges with the USB in the jack plug, right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So. You can get some where the battery pack is the... I think for the strats, the battery pack is the back plate. And you plug right. into the back plate. Um, and if you don't have the optional back plate, I think you have to take the scratch plate off to get to a USB socket. Uh-huh. But then again, if you only have to do that once every 300 hours, it's not a massive problem. Yeah, really not bad. I, I will say, is it, you know, I still and will always find it annoying that I have to unplug the guitar after I've finished using it. That mm. That is my number one reason for never using active pickups but these sound so good that i'm willing to <laughs> yeah I, and um i think what's interesting is you know normally you'll get pickups like oh it's 6.4 on the bridge and four point whatever on the, on the neck i don't think you get that with fluence at all 
um, because of of their of their design. Um, the Strat ones are a vintage single coil and then a hot Texas single coil. Right. Um, I think that I think they I think all the pickups they make loads of the humbuckers and stuff obviously going in very very modern guitars. Tosin Abassi, um, lots of other sort of. Um, Stephen Carpenter. Yeah, I think for that reason, it's been why they've been so off my radar. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, they've obviously got uh, Javier Reyes, who plays in uh, mm. Animals as Leaders, Tosin Abassi. I mean, H- H- Javier Reyes is, is, in my opinion, better than Tosin Abassi. His, I, I, I actually, I would agree. I mean, have you seen that dude play eight-string classical? Yeah. It's just like... His listener Amazing. and and you know Matt like you know if you if you haven't heard it his solo project Mestis is absolutely fantastic one of my girlfriend's favorite bands um and like he's he, a couple of EPs and two albums now absolutely incredible like using an eight string um an, an eight string guitar to play sort of class like I, I guess sort of traditional Spanish inspired uh, sort of modern metal classical like that sounds bad but it's it's actually <laughs> but it's completely actually incredible it's so listenable as an instrumental record you'll never get bored they're so good his records are great and they're quite short as well which i think is you know a problem people a lot of bands like my band do you know make but you make these epic long instrumental records he makes tight short four minute tracks really catchy really good tonally some of the best guitar sound i've ever heard and i'll you like tight short tracks four minutes like yeah for me, for me that's that's too long <laughs> two and a half minutes it's the dream. polymath's last last album was one track and it was 16 minutes yeah that's I, just um, you're kidding yourself there though <laughs> i was listening to blur and if they didn't realize how short some of those tracks are having listened to them for for decades and then gone Wow, song two is really short. <laughs> song two is like two and a half minutes long. Um, That's how you make the money. You make the yeah. money by doing it in two and a half minutes. Yeah, yeah. Except, well, here's the thing. Yeah, that that like one track record we made is is going to get you know only one play for for that yeah, record. Yeah, right? yeah. Spotify as opposed to whatever eight or twelve. For I can't else. imagine <laughs> you're going to pick up much radio play on that one. I've got to admit. <laughs> No. We were we were asked to the the first thing the label did was ask us to make a sort of radio edit and we we were listening through and we were like there aren't any sections that go on for less than three minutes so we basically have to submit one riff going round and round with like a little development. Guessing the label weren't too happy with that. No, well, I mean, we you know we're obviously a terrible band when it comes to sort of commercialness. Um, I I intend to change that. You know, I'm bored with being so. Uh, you know, so, so progressive, so so ahead of everyone else. So it just pop songs all the way st- now. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, that's, four, it. that's all I care about. Nothing else. Well, yeah, that's it. That's all I care about. Watched Hamilton the other night. And right. Now all I want to make is like musical hip hop. I can imagine you doing a musical. I've got to admit, <laughs> guitar <laughs> nerds <opera>. musical <gasps> written by Joe Branton. Oh, this is the best idea you've ever that's had. A, that's a Patreon subscriber driver. If I've heard one. <laughs> Sign up to hear Guitar Nerds the musical. Two and a half thousand dollars. Have you ever heard the Bartelli, the greatest guitar that you'll hear? Yeah, I'll tell you what, yeah. when we should maybe set a goal of what, three thousand dollars? Like double what mod mode is, and we'll produce Guitar Nerds the musical. Guitar Nerds the musical. Yeah, I, and I'll completely produce it as well. We'll have like, there, there'll be, I'll even hire a theatre. It'll be amazing. 
<laughs> I think anyway. it might be some time before we can be in a theatre, and oh, it may yeah, also be yeah, some time yeah. before we get to that goal. So, well, exactly. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. At least something to aim for after mod mode. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Now, moving on to some other things. We've not. We've not. You know. We, we've just been prattling on. We've covered um, absolutely nothing. And it's, we're forty-six <laughs> minutes in. No. I know. I know. Anyway, I do want to. I do want to briefly mention, which was something I wanted to mention at the start, and this is still technically the start. So. Uh, uh, so yes, uh, listen out, dear listener, for this week's Friday special, a rather special one this week for me and Matt, because we got to talk to Katie Tunstall. The most um, famous person <laughs> that we've had. Actually, sorry? I said, is that the most famous person we've ever had? I don't know, probably. Well, sort of outside of, you know, being, we don't really ever do bands or musicians, whilst it was always something we wanted to do, and we do have some lined up for the rest of the year. The bulk of kind of what we've done have been guitar, luthiers, pedal builders, things like that. Um, so this was, you know, one of the, one of the first musicians we've done, but, um, but you know, the, the, the woman who essentially invented looping in popular music (laughs) was incredible to, to get on the podcast. So, I mean, one of my favorite, um, podcasts we've ever done, I think she, Mm. she just had so many stories and was just brilliant. Um, you know, and I think I think she even said it was nice for her to actually talk about some guitars for a change. Um, but I mean, yeah, just um, amazing. Yeah. You know, I think she sold. I think her first record sold like four or five million copies. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, imagine having that as a a trophy, as a medal yeah. for your life. And- it's like I've sold four million records. Yeah, and we we'll obviously cover it on the episode, but just the fact that really the thing that that broke her into the wider community was her performance on Jules Holland. Um, I watched that for the first time the other day. Obviously I'd I'd heard about it as being this kind of legendary thing. And, you know, I wasn't really much of a kind of Jules Holland watcher. uh, Outside of of, course you, of course you're not (laughs) outside of like Macca being on there. That's really the only time I'd sort of uh, (laughs) dip in. Um, But uh, that performance is utterly amazing well the 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 thing is and and one of the things we covered is is imagine going on like that's that's broadcast live the george holland show and she went on there yeah yeah it's pre-recorded yeah it's pre-recorded it's pre-recorded yeah yeah no but it's 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 done like she doesn't get a second chance oh Oh, yeah no no, maybe not but it doesn't go out live so okay no sorry sorry yes you're you're absolutely right all i mean is their performances are very much live like if they mess up they're not sort of given another chance to do that again because they seem seamlessly fade from performance to performance the whole way through the show the show is filmed as one continual piece as it were um, so she had to get it right. She had to nail that performance and she did it with a looper pedal, like a manual looper pedal, like at the time an Akai Headrush version one, which is just a delay that happens to have a sort of loop feature on there. Yeah, and not she... the easiest thing to use either. It's not like the things later that have sort of perfected the looping, you know, whether it's yeah. the boss stuff or whether it's TC stuff or, or whatever your kind of flavour is. Um, the Headrush... Like you say, it wasn't even really meant for looping. So, yeah, yeah it's uh, yeah, pretty amazing that she managed to make a sort of career kickstarting performance using just that pedal and still yeah. uses a um, head rush, right? Yeah. I don't want to yeah, give away any exactly, spoilers yeah. for the Friday podcast. but she's, she's Yeah, she's very, like, um, I guess, a, a musician who's uh, stuck in her ways in a good way, in a really positive way. And that Found the setup it, that it, works. Yeah, and if, it, if it's not broke don't fix it 
yes. whatever that expression is. Yeah, so, you know, she's still using a lot of the same stuff that she did when she was essentially busking on the streets of Glasgow, which was, which is just incredible. Like, um, yeah, a really cool story and something we really enjoyed getting to getting to hear and be a part of. So listen out for that, listener, this this week released on, on Friday. Oh, now uh, let's talk about some more stuff. But uh, just before we do, Echo Line Pedals, obviously a brand that we checked out um, a couple of weeks ago. We got their new range of pedals. We're a big fan of them because, of course, the Roadrunner did incredibly well back in 2015, winning our gear of the year. So they're a brand tiny little uk brands that we've had our eyes on since then and been a big fan we've teamed up with them this week um since the launch of their new range of pedals and so um obviously you you know if 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 you're listening to the uh, the free version of this podcast you'll have heard an advert already i imagine by this point but i just wanted to mention it on the podcast as well in case anyone misses it there is echo line are currently doing 10 pounds off any pedals in their range for podcast listeners um and their pedals only start uh, start at 119 pounds so you're looking at 109 pounds for their back to the future inspired looper or 119 pounds for the pedals in the rest of their range which is incredibly sorry, cheap did you say for, looper did i say looper you I did. Meant, yeah, yeah yeah i meant oh, sorry i've got loopers in the mind boosts i, I meant boosts. Say, i don't ba- think that pedal's a looper <laughs> <laughs> sorry back Boost. Back to the Future inspired boost. Yes, absolutely. And then £119 for the rest of the pedals in their range, which would be a, a distortion, a drive, uh, well, a couple of drives and a fuzz. Um, but really, like, uh, still for me, the Roadrunner is absolutely um, the pedal to go for. And that's £119 with the Guitar Notes discount. So all you need to do, dear listener, if you want to take a punt on these incredibly affordable pedals, and I... I really strongly recommend, you know, the both the Everest and the Roadrunner. Those two drives are just absolutely glorious. All you've got to do to take advantage of that is use the discount code I Love Guitar Nerds at the checkout. Obviously, all one word, and that's I Love Guitar Nerds at the checkout on the um, uh, on the Echo Lines on the Echo Line store, which is Echo Line Pedals. Um, Dot com. Dot com. Yes, I just had to check that. I was like, I need to check that to find out. I was out. already yes, there. I was already <laughs> thank on you. the page for you. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, but yeah, what an incredibly wonderful, brilliantly built, fantastic sounding, in, you know, incredibly affordable range of pedals. We thoroughly recommend you check them out. There is actually, if you go onto the Guitar Nerds um, Instagram uh, account, I shot a little demo video on IGTV giving you a brief overview of each of the pedals. So we thoroughly recommend you checking that out also. Ooh, now, um, now next up, um, let's... Um, what should we talk about? We haven't got much time left, Joe. We, we certainly don't have haven't got time, time for you to be stalling like this. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Why don't we I you, go on there? Uh, there's, I know there's a guitar that you've played this week. You know, normally, let's, normally we can we, do that next week. Okay, fine. Well, should we do some news then? Let's let's do some news because I think you, you've got something you'd quite like to talk about in the news. I would. So, uh, so yeah. So let's. Uh, here's the news. 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 First up, news. why don't you tell us about Charvel? Yeah, so two new models um, from Charvel Guitars. Uh, the main reason I want to talk about this is the, the first one is incredibly cool. So first one uh, is a, how do they actually call it? It's the signature model for Henrik Dan Hage, I assume his name is, or Dan Hadji, um, from a band called Evergrey. Um, and they are like, 
I looked it up. I guess they're... I'm going to Google it again. One second, just see what the official... Uh, prog- the progressive metal from Sweden is essentially the, the, uh, the tagline. Um, and... So the official title of the guitar is the, the Henrik Dan Hodge, Dan Hodge, I'm going with, limited edition Pro Mod SoCal Style 1. Uh, please, uh, Henrik, if you're listening, please do uh, email in and tell me that I'm an idiot for mispronouncing your uh, your name uh, or any of our listeners, feel free to do that as well. Um, Dan Hage. Yeah, Dan indeed. Haig. Dan Haig. Yeah, maybe it's Dan Haig. Henrik Dan Haig, limited edition signature Pro Mod SoCal Style 1. Um, what it is essentially a, uh, a kind of Strat style guitar, reverse headstock, kind of classic Charvel reverse headstock. The key thing is that it's relic and the relicking is very, very tastefully oh, done. It's so um, good. So it's in a, I guess it reminds me of a kind of like, it's sort of inspired by a Jimi Hendrix Strat, I guess. You know, it's a um, like Olympic white that's been relic back. You've got the reverse headstock but it's got crucially the the charvel neck so it's that kind of almost that matte finish that they have you know almost like the kind of roasted necks but it's it's like a relict maple neck um and then it keeps it really simple for the rest of the features on the guitar so um humbucker in the bridge strat single coil in the neck uh one volume control uh which is a push push so that switches between the humbucker and the neck single coil uh, and then a floyd trem on there it's a compound radius board as well um 12 the volume s- controls in like the last tone position yeah it, it is well. indeed it's like the furthest away from where the strat controls normally are um so yeah it just looks really cool and a nice kind of you know for a I kind of like this sort of style of super strat, which is basically like a modded strat. That's what what I it's feel. It's like a parts cast. Yeah, totally. Sort of and I guess, you know, that's what Charvel started out with, I guess, is like making traditional super strats. So taking strats and, and sort of souping them up. Um, that's For a metal guitar, that's much more my kind of flavour than something like, you know, an RG or something like that. You know, they have definitely have a time and a place, but I much prefer a more traditional super strat. And this is definitely yeah. one of those with, with some, some really neat little features. The other guitar they've announced, I would say is, much more down a kind of super traditional super strat uh vibe um this is the pro mod sandema style one hhfr e ash in neon pink ash um this is basically <laughs> their um sandema style one two humbuckers floyd rose trem uh i think it's an ebony board uh, yeah, ebony, uh, compact radius ebony board. Um, and But the key thing is it's a sandblasted body. Um, so what they have done with this guitar is, yeah, it's kind of like finished uh, in this neon pink ash colour, sandblasted back, so you get all the kind of textures and stuff in the wood. Um, and that is also matched with a pair of neon pink humbuckers as well. I can't get behind this. No, it's not for me. This wouldn't be the one I'd go for. I'm much more of a fan of the, I, the, the previous one. I, I think... Um, I can't get sand- behind sandblasted. I, I can, but the top needs to be really well matched or one piece. Yeah, so this I is- think the problem with the image they've gone there is yeah. it's very clearly two different pieces of wood. Yeah, and uh, you know, I quite liked it on some of the stuff Fender were doing a little while ago with the, I think there's some tellies and they some did the tellies, strats, P's and J's, yeah. all with sandblasted, sandblasted blue and sandblasted. Red. I really like them. Um, in particular, the P bass and the Tele actually obviously worked really well because I think they they complement guitars that are really simple. You know, it's really simple setups like the P bass. Obviously, is super simple. The Tele super simple, and it just adds like another 
texture to literally adds another texture to the guitar so i like those this one for me is a bit too uh full-on looking uh and like yeah. matt says i think if it was like one piece of wood it might be nicer um uh, but yeah for me out there and uh, you know i think people will like this and there's definitely a market for this um but the one for me really is this uh the signature model is just a really cool looking guitar really surprising pair of guitars for charvel to put out in a way, I kind of feel like that company's been being quite safe recently. So to see a a heavy relic sort of hark back to eighties park casters, and you know, I I don't know, I I've, I don't even know what to call the sandblasted one, but you know, they're de- it, both really strange. I just I like everything that Charvel do really. Oh, me uh, too. I, like in general, they're a great company. Yeah, I mean, just having a look at like I'm on their website now, and just having a look at them, I'm like, do you know what? These guitars aren't for me, you know, I'm much more of a traditionalist, but if I was going to buy like a super strat, Charvel would probably be where I'd go, to be honest, because that you know, in terms of the body shape, yeah, they're very close to a sort of traditional strat. Um they're not too pointy, but just some of the features, like I really like the trem that they put on the um DKs, you know, I like the the uh, lot of the pickup selection they've gone for. And to be honest, you know, even if I did want to go down the sort of Floyd route or something, something like the SoCal guitars, like I said, they look like old strats that have had a Floyd fitted, which is essentially what I would want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, They're, it's unusual but very very cool and a great expansion to the uh, to the Charvel. Range. What, what sort of price are we looking at? For uh, so the signature model. Hang on, I had it in front of me. The signature model is uh, fifteen hundred pounds. Yeah, fifteen one nine pounds. Um, and the other one is ten four nine pounds. Very, very kind of in line, I guess, with Charvel's standard sort of pricing on things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Very cool indeed. Matt Knight. Yes, I want to talk about Glagler. Yes, me too. And actually, um interesting uh we were talking earlier about echoline a brand that seemingly disappeared and then and then came back and i th- I, I can't remember if i mentioned it on the podcast maybe i put it in the facebook group i was uh, sold a bunch of stuff you know about lock ti- lockdown timing and was like right i'm gonna go and buy a glow devices uh pralines because i really like that sort of multi-stage sort of envelope phaser couldn't be found no facebook page no website no mention of them uh, just just disappeared off the face of the earth. And then all of a sudden, uh, last week, they've announced a brand new pedal and they are back. Um, they decided to basically take a break. They had some problems because of um, the, the global uh, crisis. They've got a bunch of new stuff coming. Uh, they're still shipping. They're still making. And uh, yeah, they've announced this brand new pedal. So you can still buy the Pralanes. You can still buy... Um, now I'm going to butcher the name of this, the Motade, Mutade, Mutard, uh, Extra Forte, which is their, (laughs) which is their, um, their, basically their PPL synth. So I think Jay last week or week before talked about the arcade machine. This is the super mega version of of that in in some sense basically just a crazy multi-harmonizer um so both those are still available actually at better pricing than they were before by the looks of it Uh, but their new pedal is the stake um so they are following along the same lines as uh their previous pedals amazing massive boxes these are not pedal board practical or friendly um i kind of like that this is going back to those sort of 
days of love tone pedals and just pedals being ridiculous because they can be. Um, it is a multi-filter, multi-distortion drive pedal. So you've basically got two different distortion modes, uh, one of which does so uh, soft, hard or square clipping alongside minus one, minus two or plus one octaves. You can obviously Ooh. then adjust the gain and level and then distortion two has soft or hard or square clipping alongside minus one octave, minus two octaves or a ring modulator. You can then add in um, an LFO control over that so you've got um, up down LFO or expression control, which can then be um, enveloped or or not. You've then got four different filters, all of which have a peak control, a modulation control, and a frequency control. Um, just a ridiculous soundscape in a pedal. Um, I can't believe how big this pedal is. It's ridiculous. I love it, and I want one. Um, I think the only downside... Um, There's no downside. No, there is no downside. Actually, I, just a shout out to um, Stefan Carlson, who runs Guitar Pedal X. Um, he's put it together. He's got an amazing um, sort of blog that covers a bunch of new stuff, loads of more in-depth information than press releases often give. Um, and the only downside he can see is, is the fact that um, there's no uh, presets. You know, so in a, in a time where you've got things like Chase Bliss Brothers or Boss OD 200 or whatever similar drive where you can save a bunch of presets, you can't do that on this. This is a kind of studio device for tweaking, creating crazy sounds. Um, you know, if you're spending uh, 400 euros on a pedal, you necessarily don't want to just have uh, one sound and a set and forget. Yeah. Um, so I think that might be the only downside. I think they look fantastic. I love the way they're shooting the videos. I'm glad to see they're back. And uh, I might now order their phaser because I think the Proline's phaser is one of the best sounding phasers um, I have heard. We yeah. should definitely try and get some more of these on the podcast. Oh, I need to get this steak. This, it, it, this looks absolutely well, fantastic. Also, not only that, um, just gone on their Instagram, second picture, Steak, Bootsy Collins. What more do you need? <laughs> what is he Best playing? Best bass one? player ever. Yeah, he's got one. Nice. Loves it. Nice. Um, gotta love Bootsy Collins. Um, so yeah, and that's the kind. This is the kind of ridiculous pedal that uh, he would play. I think the only one actually I've noticed that's not on their website is the Rendezvous, which was their multi-stage phaser and ring modulator. Um, but yeah, just great pedals, really well designed as well. I've got to say, just some of the best looking pedals. Yeah, um, I think um, so. Yeah, definitely worth checking those guys out. Absolutely. Now that that is uh, pretty much it for this week's free episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast. You can of course listen to an entire extra episode of Guitar Nerds every week over on our Patreon site, patreon.com forward slash Guitar Nerds. You can also find that in the description of this podcast. Now, this week is the last episode of the 1979 Club, um, which has been my solo podcast where I've been talking about all my favourite guitars. Talking about the year you were born. <laughs> yes. No. I have been talking about all the best guitars predating 1979, so cool um, retro guitars. And I've been specifically talking about guitars that you can purchase at the moment um, from various pre-owned places um with kind of an, an accidental a special focus on on more affordable vintage guitars because i think vintage guitars are often viewed as being 
um, unachievable, whereas they are absolutely achievable and all those wonderful, weird, uh, not staying in tune, crooked neck things about them are actually the things that make them fantastic, which is why we should all, all play vintage guitars much more. Anyway, um, you can become a Patreon supporter for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, $1 a month gets you the podcast ad-free and early every week. At the $5 tier, you can enjoy an in- the entire extra episode, plus access to our um, our back catalogue of miniseries. And at the $10 tier, you can become an executive producer and enjoy all those benefits, plus the prestigious honour of having your name sung in the podcast song at the end of every episode. You can follow us on all the major social platforms with at Guitar Nerds and join us on the Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Guitar Nerds Forum. Thanks very much for tuning in. We'll be back next week with more of this guitar nerdery. Farewell. Bye-bye. Bye. Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.